All right, how's it going, everyone? I'm Mark. I'm Ian. And this is the Uncaped Crusaders Review. All right, another week, another quarantine, another week of absolutely nothing going on. Um, As I was talking to Ian beforehand... I literally went outside for the first time yesterday in eight days. I had not stepped outside of my house Good God! in over a week. Now, again, part part of that because was because I was sick for like five days. So you're you doing know, a responsible thing. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a pretty big reason. Not not the coronavirus, just still just had a had a bad cold for several days and was not feeling like leaving the house. Um, also, it rained a lot in that time. It did, period. yeah. And um, but anyway, it was real nice today. So that was that was, was great. The pollen came back in full force. And oh my god, yeah. I had to blow off the roof. So that was that oh, was fun. that was fun to breathe <laughs> into after still kind of being sick. And that yeah, that was not fun. But anyway, I was able to be outside a little yesterday and today at least. So that's that's good. But uh, yeah, nothing going on, anything, anywhere, with anybody. No. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, the only news I could think of is that I know they officially pushed back the release date for Wonder Woman. And they, uh, and apparently we're really close to getting uh, an official pushback for um, Batman. Batman, yeah. Oh God, please not. Because well, it's gonna it's gonna for- have to happen. Like they they've already shut down production. I know and that, but I, that I won't just... come back till probably at least May sometime, like you would think <sighs> sure. at the earliest. Yeah. So, I, I hope they don't, because like June twenty first is right before my birthday, and that'd be awesome to be able yeah. to see a Batman movie. Because I haven't been, I, like the last time I saw a Batman movie on my birthday was Batman Begins. Um, so it's me being selfish, but I'm just hoping that it's still early enough in production where this hasn't affected it. Like maybe it just narrows down your window of like if you had to do reshoots, so kind of. Yeah. You know, a uh, string sag gap of like, you know, type of room for errors. But because um, hopefully it's not like your typical Disney movie where there's so much like CGI they have in it. It takes seven months to render all that in general. So, yeah, I hope they don't have to push it back. But at this I point, think they will be surprising. I, I think, yeah, I, I think more than likely. I think that's almost a complete guarantee at this point. <sighs> um, apparently there's there's there might be conflict as far as actors go. So we'll see. I haven't heard any specifics about sure, it. I, I mean, saw well, I mean, that report. So who knows if I, I heard there's, there's a possibility they might have to recast certain parts. So, you know, who oh, knows? Really? Yeah. You know, again, who knows with conflicts of other stuff. And at this point, probably sure, just no sure. one knows. It'll depend when everything gets back going, but, uh, yeah, you know, so who knows what that would affect, but anyway, yeah, it's it funny. It was funny because I saw his post from the stupid Snyder fans, and like, you know that some, you know, at some point they this is a time they've talked about releasing the Snyder cut. I'm like, of yeah. all things, Warner Brothers is having to worry about right now. They don't. I care. can definitively say that has not come up. It's like no. with trying to get all their crew members and all their movies back on track. That is the last thing they have thought of because mm-hmm. they have so many other things that is completely unprecedented that they have to. Like, even when stuff gets back to normal, they have to figure out again. Is getting everyone back on schedule, yes. the movies, like, I I don't envy them. No, no, not at all. Um, but anyway, 
So today we're talking Batman the Animated Series again, which is which is nice and real excited to talk today because we got three three solid episodes, but one in particular. We have my favorite all-time Batman the Animated Series episode, Per Chance to Dream. Also, Kevin Conroy's, thank you very much, and Troy Baker's as well. So, oh, I didn't know Troy Baker's. Yeah, apparently, um, I don't know, a few years ago, they were at a Comic-Con, and that's when Kevin Conroy revealed it was his favorite episode, and Troy Baker agreed that it was his as well. They were doing a panel together for, for something. I don't remember what it was for, but... um. Uh, yeah, no. So great episode, an episode that everyone likes, but no one, but is not talked about as much when you talk about top episodes. But, um, but then whenever it's brought up, everyone, you know, everyone agrees. Everyone's like, oh yeah, it's great. It's got a 8.9 on IMDb. I mean, it, it's, you know, really highly acclaimed. It's just, it's just never up there when people talk about their, you know, the top episodes, it's never, you know, it's never in the conversation with Heart of Ice or Robin's Reckoning or, or any of those other episodes. So, um, I think that's just because it's the Mad Hatter and people just maybe. underestimate how good of a villain he is. Because when you maybe. think of the best, you know, episodes, you think of like the Joker episodes and Mr. Freeze, sure, Two-Face. Sure, sure, But yeah, yeah no, it's a that shame. Makes sense. But yeah, so it's not talked about enough. So we're going to talk about it today. I got, I got a lot to cover with it. Cannot the wait to get to it. Yeah. Cannot wait to get to it. Um, did a lot of reading. Uh, on it too um for this but well, luckily uh, there's no news to talk about so right. it works perfectly right it does but before we get into that of course we're going to talk movie swap but also we have more to talk about because i've actually watched movies this week ian <laughs> same here it's yeah. great um starting well last week was the first week i was able to watch multiple movies and new movies in a week in like i don't know two months something like that yeah wow and uh, then this week I've I watched you know I watched handful more obviously I watched movie swap but I also watched three more movies I finally watched Midsummer oh. or Midsummer oh, yeah, or however the heck you're supposed to pronounce that um, yeah. it sucked I hated it so didn't like it no I hated it I hated every second of it um, every second no I liked the first ten minutes to be perfectly honest I wish that was the whole movie I agree that, that was way first, more interesting than anything else first... that happens. The first act or whatever before they get to Sweden or whatever it is was so much more interesting. It was brutal at that opening. It was, but it again. was so well done. It was so it well was. put together, and you don't even sh- like they don't even show anything. It's all it's all no. suspense and tension and build up and apprehension. Perfect acting. Oh, it's yeah. really, really, really well done, and that should have been the whole movie, some way, shape, or form. I don't know. You could literally go a million different ways to construct a movie around that. Oh, totally. And. It, that would have been way more interesting. The actual movie, awful. It was a waste of time. It was completely pointless. The only point of that movie was it looked pretty. That was literally the only point. Looked, looked pretty. The, the cinematography, the shot composition, okay. the color scheme, the production design, all that crap, Acting. all yeah. really well done. There was no reason for this movie to be made whatsoever. Total waste. Yeah, our, stupid our... story. Doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> no one's built up. No character development. There's no anything. It's just here and then you're like oh it's a cult and okay there we are like that's it like there's no reveal there's no anything there's no surprise nothing it's just blah and i hated it yeah i mean i didn't hate it i didn't hate it like you did but i was i was very disappointed because i agree that the first act hooked me instantly oh yeah that was great that was great and then, and unfortunately, yeah. Once there, they there's get to no the cult, callback it, it, to that. There's no emo- There's no stakes from that. Like, there's nothing. It's totally thrown away after ten minutes. 
It's gone. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's, it's it, pointless. It, it, it explains, you know, where Florence Pugh's character is, but other than that, yeah, they, they don't really reference it in any no, way. Not at all. It's, I, it's baffling. I don't understand. I don't understand this script whatsoever. It just seems like, like there was no script and they're just shooting stuff. So, yeah, it's way too long. Like, I oh mean, like, gosh, yeah. you, you, re- you, you realize that the cult is creepy, like, right yeah, away. Yeah, right away, you're like, like oh, okay, so... they're going to kill people. Like, you, there's no, yeah, there's no reason so to every have scene after else. that. Yeah, so every scene after that is, like, just them showing you, oh, look how creepy they are. It's like, no, I got it. And it's like, we know. It, it just wastes, it wastes a lot of time. Red, uh, Red Letter Media, they had a. Uh, you don't have about to show longer. that a cult is creepy. As soon as you see it, you're yeah, like, we got oh, okay, it's creepy. Yeah, but like the first time they meet all together, like <laughs> no, I would, as soon as I would they drive up and you like see people dress up, you're like, oh, okay, creepy cults. That too, it. yeah, yeah. But uh, no, Red Letter Media, I think they were really accurate. They said the same thing, where it's like all the stuff in the beginning is way more interesting on the cult stuff. Even Ari Aster said like he didn't really care about the cult dynamic of this film. It's like, but that's ninety percent of the film, movie. So. Like, yeah, no, it's yeah. Dumb. So I don't it's, get it. It's creepy. It's disgusting, and it's no, it's bad. Um. So yeah, that wasn't good. Um, I saw I watched Spencer, <laughs> Spencer Confidential, the Netflix uh, Mark Wahlberg movie. Oh God, it 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 was what it was, man. Like, yeah, it knows what there, it is. There aren't. It didn't try and do anything that it couldn't sure. do, and it was fine, man. It was it was entertaining. It was fine. Yeah. It it it's it's the prototypical Netflix, you know, superstar actor movie. I mean, that's it is what it is. Three star movie. Yeah. It was fine. Um. Uh, uh. What's his name? Shoot. Uh. His Post the Mon- the co-star. Um. The guy oh, the from, guy from the guy from Black Panther. Panther. Yeah, yeah. He's great. I liked him a lot. He was probably He's, my yeah, favorite part of the lot. movie. I, I liked him. I'd like to see more of him and stuff. I like his yeah, character. They they, they really cheesed his character out in in a few scenes where you're like, okay, dude, like, there's really no reason you should be here. But anyway, but um, other than that. I, I liked I liked him I liked him and his character in the movie yeah, and like, then and then of course oh shoot what's I'm so bad with actor names um uh, the guy um uh, the old guy um from the guy from uh, Get Smart the 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 oh, captain uh, oh um Alan Arkin um yes 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 yeah alan arkin he was great of course because oh he's always good yeah Yeah. he's always good so so yeah i mean it was worth watching for for a quarantine you know whatever it it's worth watching but nothing nothing special free on netflix yeah sure sure um and uh, i watched movie swap and then i watched uh, superman red sun because that came out i saw your review that sucked sucked i'm not surprised I'm telling you, man, DC is just on a roll of just w- butchering w- great, great books. I was thinking about that. When was the last good DC anime movie? Was it Dark Knight Returns? Uh, that was the last elite one. Um, I mean, I'm just like, just good. Like, just, I mean, there's some that bit okay, you know, but I'm talking about like an actual uh, just good. Yeah, no, some of the uh, Justice League War was was pretty good the first one that was fine um yeah with the kind of new 52 whatever type model they were doing war yeah, was yeah. pretty good but that's a good book that's a good jeff john story right um but except except for taking aquaman out was kind of annoying but yeah, yeah um to be honest that was probably the best one out of the oh uh no batman versus ninja turtles was great oh yeah that wasn't bad okay and uh 
Batman Brave and the Bold and Scooby-Doo, that was good. Yeah, that's true. Okay, um, fair enough. There's been a few, but as far as, like, kind of their main tentpole ones, eh, Yeah, it just feels really. like all of them lately have been just, not just, like, bad, but, like, again, like you said, butchering. Yeah, this one was weird. It, like, it wasn't, ultimately, it wasn't too different from the book, but it was enough to where you were, it was annoying. Like... It, that book like, like to Hush. me rides a fine no that was different they just totally took out the third act in hush it's not quite that again it's been a while since i've read the book so um i had to look up like the changes and stuff like that because I, I couldn't quite remember and as i'm watching i'm like i know this isn't quite right but i don't think it's too ultimately the whole tone just feels off like, I was uninterested in this movie, whereas I really enjoyed the book. The book never feels like it's... I don't know, because it's a weird subject matter to tackle. Sure. And the book never feels... Uh, preachy or oh. anything like that. It, it doesn't... It's like a it's, what if. It's literally yeah. just a what if type story well this one feels more i don't know it, it felt like it had more of an agenda than the book did now of course i'm not mark millar so i don't know what his uh, actual goal was with it but i never got much agenda through the book yeah but this one felt like there was a little bit more america seems a little bit more aggressive yeah. superman seems a little bit more sympathetic yeah um, of course, depending on who's watching it, I guess I saw a bunch of people talking about how this was capital capitalistic crap and we're giving it one star. And I was like, what? okay, you guys didn't watch this movie, the same movie. Uh, they wanted it to be more <laughs> communist. So oh my was, God. Yeah. Yeah. That was a little disturbing when I saw some of those, but again, it's That's not surprising. like overboard, like, Oh, America's yeah, yeah, bad. Yeah. It's not that far, but it's farther. Yeah, you than can't the just come was. out and praise the Soviet Union. Yeah. Like, like even just Superman, the little things. Like, one of the differences... Spoilers, okay, if anyone hasn't seen... Superman just out-and-out out kills Stalin in this. Just out-and-out okay. out just disintegrates him with laser beams. It's not a bad thing, but sure. He does not do that in the book. Okay. No. So, that that's almost making him more violent, but then they don't... The biggest problem is it's rushed. I mean, ultimately, that's always the problem, and that's the biggest problem. Yeah, definitely. It just glosses through everything. I mean, it glosses yeah. through characters, it glosses through everything, It does, so it doesn't show anything. So you don't see the country falling apart under Superman's rule. You don't see the destruction caused yeah, by the that, Soviet Union. You don't important. see any of that, because it's just... They, they don't have time, and they, they don't yeah. focus... So they tell you things, but you don't ever see it. So it feels different. It doesn't have the same weight of anything. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, then, you know, Wonder Woman, they just totally butcher. She's the worst part of the movie because they, wow. they just straight up turn her. All she is is just a man-hating lesbian oh, plot point. That's what she of is. All, they, they turn her, all they turn her do that too. Right. They turn her into a 100% lesbian. And all oh, she God. does is talk about how evil and awful man is. And look what man's done. Look what man does this. Look how horrible man. Then at the end, she literally just comes back. She saves Superman twice to then just leave him and say, you're hopeless with man. And that happens two different times. And you're just like, wait, why? She literally came all this way to say, man, men is trash. And I want nothing to do with you. And then leave. 
it's like, well, then why did you show up? Like, it's yeah, it's a total waste of a character. Batman is a waste. Um, he's barely in it. He's just a complete psychopath murderer. In why this why version. is this so popular lately? He literally yeah. just blows up a full museum full of regular people. Um, blows up like half the city. All innocent people just blows them all up. Um, again, he's in it for f- eight minutes. They they do the you know they do the red light thing where he beats up Superman and defeats him and locks him yeah, in the yeah. thing and then Wonder Woman saves him. It it's just there's there's no Superman Wonder Woman like relationship dynamic like there is in the book because again she's a lesbian so they totally throw that out. Ugh, but they still try so and dumb. have them have a relationship. But then there's no reason for them to have one and then Wonder Woman turns on him for no reason at the yeah. end again because they just don't take any time to build anything up. So the biggest problem, the big flaw with this is it's just rushed. That that's where most of the problems come from. So that that's where most of these other decisions sure. domino from. But it's uh yeah, it's just not good. I mean, in the books this big thought-provoking what if interesting story and then this just kind of breezes through everything with again, no explanation to why most things are happening and everything. It's just it's not good. It's not good. It's not good. Oh, I'll, I'll um, be sure to skip that one then. Yeah, I was I was very disappointed. They need to stop having uh, uh, Sam Lee or Sam Liu, whatever his name is, direct these things because I don't think he's directed a good one. Yeah, I mean, they need to just change the personnel behind their animated. All right, these are the ones that okay. General, I, 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 take that back. Like I take that back. He has he directed year one, so that one was really good. And oh, okay, uh, he directed. Yeah, but these are the ones he he's directed. Death and Return of Superman, um, Wonder Woman Bloodlines, Justice League Fatal Five, All Star Superman, Red Sun, Superman Batman Public Enemies. That one's pretty good. Um, Justice League Gods Welcome and back. Monsters, Suicide Squad, Hell to Pay, Justice League Crisis on Two Earths, which a lot of people like. I hate. Um, Teen Titans Judas Contract, Reign of the Superman, Batman and Harley Quinn, Justice League versus Teen Titans, The Death oh, of Superman. Uh, Batman Gotham by Gaslight, which again, great movie until they butchered the ending and then, uh, and the killing yep. joke, which again is good. If you take out the beginning crap, um, yeah, first half. So yeah, I mean, he hasn't, he doesn't have a great track record and he keeps, he's like still the no. guy at DC animated and er, animation. And I don't really know why, but anyway, disappointing, not good, but okay. Uh, Oh, yeah. So, um, all right, Ian, what have, what have you seen this week? Uh, I saw two movies. Um, I'll be the movie swap. I finally saw a uh, zombie lane too. Nice. Nice. Uh, uh, yeah, it was, it was fun. I um, liked it. I enjoyed it. it. I was, I was pleasantly surprised from a 10 year old comedy sequel. I, I was, I was very worried being as big of a fan of, uh, I am of the first one, which is one of my top 10 all time favorite comedies. Um, Sure, but so I was very worried that this was getting made finally, but um, but I was I was I was pleasantly surprised, and I I really enjoyed Zombieland too. Yeah, I mean, um, I I can't say I was blown away by anything. Um, no, there was really only one part that I laughed out loud. Um, it was when the you know, it's right before the final battle, and like they're they're coming up with their battle plan, and there's that one bearded hippie guy who's like, "We will stand and fight then." And Woody Harrelson just goes, you'll be the first to die. 
that was the only, that was the only part I really like out out loud laugh. But um, but it was still funny overall. Um, yeah, it's like nothing nothing really blew me away. But no, again, like uh, the most you kind of asked for from a ten year old communist sequel is like just I, I laughed out crapping loud on the original and just undoing everything. Right, right. I laughed out loud at everything with um Luke Wil- Luke Wilson. That was good, yeah. When Luke Wilson and the uh, the, the Jesse Eisenberg clone came, yeah, that was that, that was, was probably the funniest part of the movie. Yeah. I, and I was very and because they they revealed that in the trailer, which I was a little disappointed about. Right. Um. But yeah, I wish they had but, it. Yeah. But they made it seem like these were actual characters, and then they killed them right away. And I was like, okay, no, that was a good idea. That that was that was well done. Yeah. I, I, I knew they were kind of going to do that, like the uh, like uh, the Rock and Sam Jackson and the other guys. Um, yeah. So that was pretty funny. But um, but no, I mean, I I had fun overall. Um, I'll I'll still always you know rewatch the original over yeah, there. But um, no, I mean, can't get plain. Yeah. No, I enjoyed it too. I agree. But um, and then other than that, the only other one I saw was a um a movie I'd wanted to see. It's an Australian film. Okay. Um, it's based on a real story about a uh, a battle in Vietnam that was fought with the Australian army because a lot of people don't know that the Australian and New Zealand New Zealand army uh, were like alongside the United States and Vietnam. I don't think um, most people realize Australia or battle. New Zealand have an army. Probably not. um and but and and even more so yeah they they fought with us in vietnam so uh so that was cool but uh unfortunately the movie is based on the battle of long tan which is basically your typical like 108 inexperienced australian soldiers against like 3,000 viet cong um so a great story and you know a true story of heroism and and guys who never get their credit you know but um unfortunately the movie just wasn't good and it just didn't have the budget and and talent behind it to really make it a, a great war film like you know it wanted to be we were soldiers you could tell they were passionate about it you know it's all australian <laughs> actors and kiwi actors yeah um but you could tell like people behind the camera just really aren't that well versed in like military history and lingo so that's that's what stands out to me especially after being in the army is that you can really tell from the writing and dialogue like the writers or director like never were in the military or anything like that. Just by the way, like the soldiers talk to each other in the lingo and you, you see all those cliches about your div- different types of soldiers that you'll see in bad war movies. Um, and again, like the, the budget just really wasn't there. So like, it's supposed to be like hundreds of Viet Cong flooding, you know, flooding their lines. And yeah, at and most you you'll see maybe 12 or 15 <laughs> guys running. Yeah. Yeah. So that's and like, like all, and like, all the muzzle flashes were CGI. All the uh, the squibs were CGI, so that hurts too. Yeah. Um, and just in the acting, just wasn't quite there because again, the script was pretty wooden. So, yeah, unfortunately, not a great movie. Um, again, like it's a great story that I wish the people who did like We Were Soldiers or Black Hawk Down could do and do justice on the big screen, you know, really well. But yeah, it's it's unfortunate. We Were Soldiers is such an underrated war movie. That that is. That that was my Cause, number one cause favorite like horror only... movie uh, until Hacksaw Ridge de, uh, dethroned it's it for it's me. Amazing. Um, we were soldiers is amazing. Is and so it, it's good. underrated because it's like yeah, I feel like it's underrated because it's like one of the only like somewhat positive Vietnam War movies. Every other yeah, yeah, Vietnam yeah. War movie is about you know the Americans are are terrible or the war is hell and just and granted we were soldiers isn't glorifying war but it it, it doesn't 
show like the American soldiers as like rapists and murderers and all this stuff. It's right. like it's not completely cynical. Yeah, yeah, no, that, but, um, that, that's but no, we like soldiers is great and absolutely. All right, so yeah, those are the movies that we saw. So now it's time to talk uh, talk a little movie swap. Um, interesting choice that Ian gave me watching Charlie Wilson's War, and then um, Ian oh, you watched as well. original. What? This is not weird. Original Tom Cruise. Risky business, not a weird yeah, it's choice. Still, it's, it's not. It's not a choice. I feel like you would like. I didn't see it as being like one of your like go to movies. That was. Kind oh, of come on, it's Tom Cruise. What's wrong with you? Basically, well, every one regard, of his movies yes, are go-to but... movies. Sure. It's just a... Like, a different than a lot of his other movies. Well, yeah, because it was... You know, it was the first one, so... Makes sense. Why it's uh, different. But, um, anyway, do you want to go first uh, and talk about Risky Business, or you want to talk about Charlie Wilson's War first? Uh, you can go first since I just talked about my movies. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. All right, this is a movie I'd never heard of before, really, like, at all. And uh, oh, this is not a, people have. not a story I knew about at all. No. Um, so that was, that was very interesting. I had no idea what to expect from this movie. Thought it was going to be way more boring than it was until I started watching it and I started to, like, listen to people oh. talk and I was like, Oh, this is this is entertaining. I was like, man, it Sorkin. sounds like sounds like Aaron yeah. Sorkin's script. Didn't really think anything of it, and then the movie ended. And it's like written yep. by Aaron Sorkin. It's like, okay, there we go. See, I was right. I was like, there was. I told you clearly. I didn't yeah. remember, but uh, yeah. And then, and then as soon as that happened, I was like, okay, now everything makes more sense. Of course, that that's why he told me to watch it. And every uh, I've watched every Aaron Sorkin yeah. movie at this point, um, due to movie swap. Except for, oh, you, except you for, except for, um, uh, yeah, there's like two or whatever, but except for, yeah, ironically enough, for the best one, which is the one you hadn't seen all of, and I had you watch, which is very funny how that ended up working out, but, um, uh, yeah, so Charlie Wilson, Wilson's War, interesting story about, you know, this, uh, like, Texas congressman who almost single-handedly started the whole funding for the Afghan, uh, the arming of the Middle East against the Soviet Union in the 80s, yeah. um, eventually leading to the liberation of that whole area from Soviet um, occupation, and uh, and then and then leading straight to 9-11. So it's uh, definitely an interesting story that, yeah, is not really told a whole lot, and um, it's 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 just one of these movies where you're sitting there and it's just so frustrating, because like you know what is happening and why they're doing it and everything, but also you're like, maybe we shouldn't be doing this because it's not gonna go well. Uh, yeah. So it's this it's a weird it's a weird thing to watch. But um, very interesting story, very interesting to watch unfold. And then it's a script by Aaron Sorkin. So watching everyone interact with each other is which would be just hair like fall asleep, boring with anyone else writing it is actually entertaining because Aaron yeah. Sorkin is writing it. And Philip Seymour Hoffman is Philip Seymour Hoffer Hoffmaning <laughs> it to one hundred and ten 
levels and uh just makes yeah. everything you know everyone's just going at 110 percent and it makes it very entertaining and um it, it has a lot of like it has a lot of solid character actors in this movie that are like on the fringes where you're like, oh, okay, he's in it and he's in it. And, oh, there's Ned Beatty, you know, like th- yeah, that yeah, type yeah. of thing. So, oh, there's early Emily Blunt, you know. So, it's uh, a lot of that is fun to watch. And oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of that's fun to watch. And no, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it way more than I thought I was. And um, and yeah, no, it it was fun. Oh well, good, yeah. I mean, it's it's a very enjoyable film. But yeah, not not very few people know about. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So uh, this movie came out 2007, um, directed by Mike Nichols, written by Aaron Sorkin, starring Tom Hanks, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Julia Roberts. Um, it's got. Let's see. What was the uh, what was the budget for this thing? Cannot be a lot. Um, okay. Yeah. Budget. Oh much. wow, it was more than I thought. Seventy-five million dollar budget, and it made a hundred and nineteen oh, million dollars yeah. worldwide. Wow, I can't believe it made that much, but I know, yeah, yeah, not bad, not bad for that. It was nominated for an Oscar. How much you want to bet it's best supporting actor, Philip Seymour Hoffman? And there it is, best performance as an actor in a supporting role, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, the one nomination for an wow, Oscar. Wow, not even screenplay. Nope, no, of course not. It was definitely oh. going to be Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um. I mean, that's surprising. Had more nominations. It, it was nominated for best screenplay for the Golden Globes. And then all three of the actors got nominated in uh, in the Golden Globes, Roberts, Hanks, and Hoffman. And then it was also nominated for Best Picture um, in a oh. comedy or musical for Golden Globes as well. So it got a lot more love in the, at the in the Globes than it did in the um, in the Oscars. But uh, this has a okay. seven on IMDb. It's got a three point two average on Letterboxd. And then on Rotten Tomatoes, an 82% critic rating and 73% audience score. So pretty solid scores all around for for Charlie Wilson's war. All right. Yeah, so check it on. out. I mean, it's, oh, it's yeah, a movie yeah, that yeah. most people will definitely enjoy. Yeah, definitely. So um, shifting gears a little bit, we're going early 80s now. And uh, first starring role of the, I think, very underrated Mr. Tom Cruise, Risky Business. 1983, uh, directed by kind of Paul. Kind crazy to call him underrated, but yeah. Paul Brickman. I, I was doing it half ironically. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so Ian, I, I'm interested. I'm, I'm very. I was surprised you hadn't seen this movie, and I'm really curious to hear your thoughts about this. Uh, well, I don't really know what to think of this movie it's, it's nothing like what i expected although i didn't really know what to expect um because i i i mean i heard you know i mean of course everyone knows this movie by the famous scene of tom cruise uh sliding across the floor yep. in his underwear and a t-shirt and glasses you know um because I, I mean that's parodied so much so everybody knows that and i knew it has something to do with like prostitutes i knew uh rebecca de mornay was in it and i was like i guess her first big role but other than that, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know if it was like a comedy or like a drama. And I still don't know really what to call it. It's kind of... It's a comedy. I don't know. I, we, we, yeah, I guess, yeah, still. is. But it seems a lot like it's so much more mature than your typical comedy, especially from that era, I feel like, where 
Because was this rated R? It had to be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, it's, it's very pretty like graphic when it, when it comes to the sex and stuff. So that's what I meant when I was surprised that this was a movie that, like, this didn't feel like your typical, I don't know, movie. Again, it has Tom Cruise. I know you're in love with him. But, like, it, it just didn't seem like, you know, like your usual brand of comedy. It's nothing like, you know, Fletch or... Uh, True. Or, um, something like that. Yeah, it's a very, but, uh, it's a very, um, but no, uh, I mean, it's... like, su- I don't know. I feel like subdued is the wrong word, but it kind of is. Like, the comedy yeah. part, I feel like, is really buried a lot of times. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's, it's definitely not like Caddyshack or something no. like that, like Stripes, something like Harold Ramis. It's not like that at all. It's not goofy. Uh, and it's definitely not like your, your typical, no, yeah, it's like, it's not like your typical, like, John Hughes john cusack type of comedy but it's either. closer um, to that i think that it's i think that's that's closer along the veins it's like a mature uh john hughes yeah. or john cusack 80s comedy movie yeah definitely definitely mature yeah but uh but, like, but no okay, it's it very just, interesting I but, mean, but it, it's still oh. so funny like just him him with the car oh, both when he wrecks it and then after <laughs> it gets fixed him driving three miles an hour down the down the highway with just a line of cars behind him like that's it's 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 great and then him with the uh the first uh transvestite hooker uh <laughs> oh i forget the name i don't remember either uh, no like you like uh, i mean you forget just how good a comedy tom cruise can be because of course we know him as the action guy but and even then for in the you know a while movies, before it's always now funny. oh yeah but like even then, like I think of like a movie like Tropic Thunder, where you have all these comedic actors, and he steals the show. Oh yeah, because it just shows how funny he is. Um, mm-hmm. And he's always been good about like making fun of himself too, like at a yeah, like at like um, at like the MTV Movie Awards and stuff like that. Oh, he's always funny great. and stuff like that. But uh, but my God, it was so yeah, it was so weird to see him here, this young, and um, not just him, but a lot of actors. Like I recognize like all of his friends were actors I've seen in different things. Uh, like yeah. my God, they're all like babies yeah and like rebecca de mornay because i don't even know how old in this movie and then freaking um i always forget the actor's name but cypher from the matrix who yeah, plays the man, Guido. No, that's what i was gonna say everyone forgets about joe pantaleone yeah who is just pantaleone, I've, never, yeah. I've never seen him in any movie where he wasn't one of my favorite parts of that movie i don't care what it is he's so good i don't know why he's, he's in more awesome, especially lately everything he's in he's awesome like you know bad boys for life just came like, out a couple you know couple oh the commissioner ago, yeah he's back in that and it's just like man he is great he kills me he, he's he's so good in the first bad boys i, I love him in that role yeah, yeah um but no he's he's great in everything and um yes yeah, so it was weird to see him so young with like a almost a full head of hair but uh mm-hmm. but it was it was good nonetheless but now i i enjoyed it um overall for sure um uh, it's I, 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 the other cool part was i know exactly where it takes place uh, in Glencoe, I would um, on the train when I take the train to Chicago. I go through there all the time, so it was cool to see some familiar places and know like know what they're talking about when they're talking about where they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's interesting. But, but uh, no, yeah, I, I was surprised I'd never seen this before, but I'm I'm glad I did. Definitely. Um. So this movie came out in 1983. Tom Cruise's first starring role. He was. Just off of, he had done a handful. Obviously, Taps was the big breakout for him, um, which is a really good movie. And then 
he had done legend a, was that no legend was after, after this because uh, again he stars in that this was his first starring role that was a couple that was like the next year um he gotcha. had done he had done losing it i know before this which is a ho- horrible movie with him and jackie earl haley never heard of it yeah it's bad um, oh, wow. and i think there was there might have been one more but i don't think so so endless love was the first thing he was ever in and then taps his first real role and then losing it and then i think this was next but uh yeah first starring role okay it's got or let's see this had a budget of 6.2 million dollars and it made uh just under 64 million dollars so made a lot of money and uh yeah, no 1983. kidding. This was a big, big success. Um, it's got a 6.8 on IMDb. It's oh, wow. got a 3.4 on Letterboxd. And then on Rotten Tomatoes, has a 94% critic rating and a 72% audience wow. score. So, um, yeah, definitely well-renowned oh, and, movie, Risky Business. And the soundtrack was phenomenal. Oh, my gosh, yes. I told you, Phil Collins. Well, not even that, but like the police is playing at one point. I love yep. the police. It's easy, oh yeah, the top obviously. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely a great, great soundtrack. soundtrack. Of course, freaking Bob. Seger's. And even in like in like Bob the, Seger's the one and that like the original knows yeah. from this. But uh, yeah, that's uh, yeah, definitely definitely solid solid soundtrack. It's good good mention for sure. Yeah. All right, so now it's time to pick our movie swaps for next week. So Ian, do you know what uh, you want me to watch? Because I know what I'm I'm going to get you to watch. Uh, you go ahead. All right. Well, today we're recording this. I guess technically now it's Friday, but we record Thursday night. This was supposed to be opening day for Major League Baseball. Very, very, very sad day because there's no baseball today. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Very, very disappointing. I absolutely love opening day. But uh, so in in light of that, th- this, this fits perfectly because... What was another time when we didn't have baseball, Ian? Another time we did? Uh, God, I don't know. Well, um, if you go back into the mid-1940s, there was uh, there was no Major League Baseball because of World War II. Oh, so oh, fair enough, yeah. For a couple of years, they didn't have Major League Baseball. So what, uh, what Mr. Wrigley, the owner of the Chicago Cubs decided to do was to start a new baseball league full of all girls and young women oh, and okay <laughs> because of that they did they played i think for just a season a season maybe two the all-american girls league and uh not a very well-known story but it is now because it was turned into a movie in 1992 directed by penny Mar- penny marshall starring tom hanks and uh, Gina Davis, and it's A League of Their Own. <laughs> so that is what I'm going to get you to watch. I've yep, gotten you to watch okay. several baseball movies, and this won't be the last one. But uh, this is the one. This one I'm going to have you That's watch because okay. I, like I like baseball movies. It fits. It fits timing wise because it was another time when there was no baseball going on. This is the replacement level baseball. But this movie is fantastic. Really, really strong movie. Strong cast. Um, I mean, Tom Hanks and Gina Davis are great, but Madonna's great, surprisingly. Lori Petty's 
Really, really good. Yeah. Um, John Lovitz makes an appearance. Rosie O'Donnell in her only great <laughs> role, at least as far as I'm concerned. She's actually funny in this movie. Um, oh, wow. I mean, Gary Marshall. I mean, Bill Pullman. There's a lot of a lot of good actors in this. And um, it's really, really well done. Very funny. And one of my favorite all-time Tom Hanks uh, roles, for sure. So that's what we're going to watch, League of Their Own. Okay. All right. Well, I'm having trouble deciding what I want you to watch. Um, let's see. Is there any genre in particular you're feeling in the mood for? Uh, I'd like a little bit more fast-paced movie. Uh, I've I've had um a real, real solid enough. real solid action movie. Haven't had one of those since um I guess since maybe 300 or The Rock. It's been it's been a while. Okay. Solid. Solid action movie. Let's see what I got here. Uh, like, we, had a, we had only Game the Brave, but that bit. wasn't really an action movie. And American Gangster, which isn't really an action movie. That was a drama for sure. So, um, but yeah, The Rock was the last one. Uh, okay, how about... I got one. Um, okay. Solid action movie. So why don't we go with... Let's go with... God, this is tough. I'm sorry. I should have been more prepared. <laughs> uh, solid action movie. Okay, let's go with... Uh, I got one. Uh, this one came out a couple years ago. Uh, it's a great cast. I uh, forget the director. and a couple things that I like. Uh, I'm going to have you watch Lawless. Oh, okay. Familiar with this yeah. movie. No, I have no idea what this is. Wait, what it's, is it called? Uh, it's like a... Lawless. Oh, no, I know what this movie is. I thought you said Wallace. Yeah. And I was like, I have no idea no, no. what this movie is. I have no idea. <laughs> okay, no. Lawless. Yeah, yes, a, yes, yes. I do know. That's the, uh, a, that's a Tom Hardy. Prohibition, Shia LaBeouf. That's a, uh, yep. Yeah, it's yeah, got yeah, Shia yeah. LaBeouf, Tom Hardy. No, uh, I've Jason been meaning Clark. to watch, I've been meaning to watch this movie. Yeah, they're all, I, uh, brother. I, I'm glad you said that because I didn't know you had that on the list and I've been meaning to watch it. I just hadn't gotten to it yet. So that worked out. Oh, I, I was tracking. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a movie I, I enjoy a lot. It's got great, great cast. Guy, great villain. Um, Tom Hardy's awesome. He he just like mumbles the whole time, but he's like it's right after <laughs> the Dark Knight Rises, I think. So he's still or right after Warrior, right around then. So he's still jacked. Yeah. Um, but he, he's a total badass. Uh, but Shadow Buff is really good um, as a main character. Uh, but no, I, I think you'll enjoy it. All right, perfect. Lawless. So I'm watching Lawless, and Ian's watching. League of Their Own. Um, all right. Now it's time to shift gears to the uh, to the main event. Time to talk about Batman the Animated Series. We watched three episodes. We watched Eternal Youth, For a Chance to Dream, and The Cape and the Cow Conspiracy. Um, interesting things that'll be said for sure about uh, Eternal Youth and The Cape and the Cow Conspiracy. Two episodes that are pretty, pretty good, but with a few interesting interesting moments and maybe a few flaws that don't make a whole lot of sense <laughs> so um but uh and then then we of course have my favorite of all time with per chance name so but we're we'll go we'll go in order eternal youth we got to start with that one so um ian what are your thoughts on uh eternal youth the weird poison ivy episode where she uh lures alfred and his girlfriend who we've never heard of and never see again yeah and um, to this resort where she feeds them um, poison chlorophyll, whatever, and then turns them into trees. Turns them into trees. Yeah, I feel like we could get through this episode pretty quick because, yeah, 
I mean, what you described is literally the whole episode. There's Pretty not much. much to it. Um, it's not, it's not a huge Batman episode. I mean, he shows up in the end, of course. Um, yeah. But it's it's literally, as you'd say, is I mean, it's, it's, and there's not even a mystery to it because you see exactly what Poison right Ivy is doing in the first scene. So, yeah. So, I mean, she's turning people into trees. She's getting back at, like, corporations who are, of course, tearing down the environment and stuff. And she thinks that Wayman Enterprises has been trying to def- uh, tear down his rainforest, even though Bruce puts a stop to it. But so Alfred and his friend Maggie get the invitation to the spa where it's, it's meant for Bruce. And there they get poisoned and turn into trees. Batman comes, saves them. And somehow they bring all the people back from the trees, which you think they would be dead, but, <laughs> but whatever. But um, no, it's a, it's a fine episode. I mean, Poison Ivy is a really iconic villain, but yeah. she just doesn't make for great like villain stories. I feel because there's not a whole lot yeah. you can do with her. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of tough to do a story with her because it's just, it's always kind of the same. Plants. Yeah, it's yeah some envi- eco-terrorist angle with something, and that's really all you can do. Um, they do an interesting episode later um, in, uh, they do uh, two, two actually pretty interesting episodes later on. One of them is the one with the, um, where she makes that like those families of plant people, that's a good episode. Oh, that's true. Yeah, and yeah. Then, and then and bad. then in the uh, new adventures when she um when Bruce ends up getting married to one of her plant things that that's pretty good oh, too. Oh yeah, yeah. So and so then bad. her her anything with her and I and Harley in that new adventures too. Oh is, yeah, is I like, pretty good I like too, them together. So, yeah. So they they figure yeah, out I mean, what you, to you, do you, with you, her eventually, but uh, yeah, yeah, some of these are you know a little little rough at first. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you can make good stories with her, but, like, again, it's, like, I mean, when you just kind of rely on plants and her wanting to get back at people who are mean to plants, it's like, yeah, it's not a whole lot to work with there. No. Um, some interesting things with this episode, of course, we talked about already. This is the only appearance of Maggie Page. Um, <laughs> she was a totally made-up character, created as a love interest for Alfred, but did not go anywhere, because no nope. one cares. <laughs> so... Yeah, I don't know I w- who I wonder was how sitting the there. Was I want to know episode. who from Warner Brothers was like, you know what? Al- we need Alfred to have a love interest, and I can just see. Look, we all love Alfred, but like the people yeah. creating it were like, I don't know. All right, do it. Uh, okay, we'll try it, and then it's like, no, no, bad idea. I mean, I'm I'm, ha- I'm happy to see Alfred with somebody, but it's like yeah, at the end of the day, yeah, I don't really care. I mean, I mean a lot there's... of times I don't even want Bruce to have yeah. love interest. I mean, there's there's some decent comedy moments with the relationship, which aren't terrible, but um, it's just oh, no. it doesn't need to doesn't need to be there. Um, no. So let's see some other things with that. Uh, yeah, the wonderful Joan of Bark joke that Alfred Alfred says. That's that's a good line. <laughs> that's a classic. That's a classic. Um, there. Um. Let's see, Alfred. Alfred's um. Oh no, that's a stupid thing. I I, I just have this list of trivia things, and they're all terrible. So, trying to find something that's yeah, it's, remar- again, not a really a- even a little interesting. Um, <laughs> apparently the climax of the episode was adapted into a stage in the Super Nintendo game, The Adventures of Batman and Robin. So that's interesting, I guess. What? I mean, um, about that game? Yeah, it was a Super Super Nintendo game back in the day. 
Uh, oh, that's interesting. Maggie's car, or like Roadster, the driver's seat is on the right-hand side. So it's Im- implying oh, yeah, it that it's, uh, you know, from from Great Britain, which would make British. sense with the yeah. Alfred thing. Sure. Um, this is one of the few times that Bruce Wayne goes upstairs into Wayne Manor while still in the bat suit, which is uh, interesting. Oh yeah, because he's running up there to warn Fair Alfred. Enough. Yeah, yeah. So that is it. I, I didn't. didn't that. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't either. I didn't think about that. That's interesting. Uh, it is. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's see. Probably and <laughs> um, I do like. <laughs> I do like when. Um, Alfred comes back from the uh, the spa, and then he just decorates the whole cave with plants. That's that's a pretty good moment. Oh, Batman, yeah. Batman comes driving in, that's it's just <laughs> plants everywhere. <laughs> I do I do like that. So that's that's pretty good. But yeah, there's not much else to say about this episode. Pretty yeah. straightforward. Uh, the cops are terrible. They totally miss. Yeah, a... They totally miss the giant oh, God, videotape yeah. just sitting there. So. Uh, <laughs> Even though apparently, according to Gordon, they went over it with a fine-tooth comb, uh, yeah, uh, it didn't, didn't didn't work out so well for um. That's questionable. Yeah, yeah it, not, it, not, is. Not a, it is. Not a not a bad episode, but yeah, just not how much to it. Yeah, not a not a great episode. Again, yeah, not not a whole lot, not a whole lot to it. But um, sure. Yeah. All right, forget about that. Uh, that had a seven point five on imdb so not not terrible again it's not terrible there's very few there's really no terrible no, no, no. episodes of the show even the even the not great ones are still so. pretty good but uh yeah that is not the case with this one because this one is great moving on to the my favorite episode of all time i think the most underrated episode of all time the one that is never talked about enough i, I would probably agree with that time greats yeah definitely but, underrated but per chance to dream is just is just fantastic. I don't even know where to start. There's so many things to talk about with this episode, but it's Batman basically gets yeah. lured lured into this trap, and he when he wakes up, he's in a totally different reality where he is not Batman. His parents are alive. He's engaged to Selina Kyle, and um, someone else is Batman, which is, yeah. I mean, you know, it's one of those what ifs. Like we're and like even we're talking about the Superman Red Sun or whatever you know it's the it's this what if story that is just done in the most perfect way you could possibly do a dream story it's just like you could not do it any better than this than this episode I mean this is yeah. wh- what would it be like if Bruce's life was perfect. What you know? What would it look like? What what in his mind is the perfect life? And that's what we get to see. That's what we get to see in this episode, which yeah. is just perfect. Yeah, because it, it really puts into picture like not just what he's lost with his parents, but the life he's lost by just becoming Batman. Everything he's sacrificed happiness yeah. you know stability a love you know loving marriage like all this stuff it's not just he lost his parents because every superhero has some type of loss sure. it's literally all the things he gave up to like to take on this crusade and like and it's so heart-wrenching to see him like finally in happiness but then he realizes this is all a lie and he even has a choice later on if he can stay 
and actually be happy for like the only time in his life he'll ever be able to. But like he knows that he can't because it's not real. And it's like it, it really is just an episode of the Twilight Zone if you think yes. about it. Yes, and that's another reason why it's I awesome. love it. Um, sure. <laughs> huge, huge fan of the Twilight Zone. But um, yeah, and it's so fascinating because the whole point is, uh, you know, eventually it's the Mad Hatter has trapped him in this dream machine, which basically gives you your ultimate life. And it's so when when you break down just the whole implications of everything, his perfect existence, like basically the main thing is, is him not being Batman. Yeah. Like he does not want to be Batman. No, no same he human does, being would want to. He does not want it. Yeah. But, and you know, but, but he's never not going to be it because he has to be. Exactly. Batman. Like that's the whole point. Like that's the point of this episode. Even when he's not Batman anymore, he still finds a way to become Batman. Yeah. Like in the face of everything else, he still has to find a way. His subconscious dream-based brain still has to find a way to end up becoming Batman. Like that's how much ingrained it is as just a part of him and that's why this would never work on him. Yeah, which is uh, which is pretty fascinating too. Um, yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, but just the way you know he wakes up, you even have a different Alfred in this episode. This is not the father figure, dry Psychic. humor, witty, yeah. you know, Alfred. This is just the straight up butler Alfred. Butler, yeah, um, family butler, and uh, him. <laughs> He immediately thinks Bruce is cheating on Selena as he as he asks if Robin brought him <laughs> yeah. brought him back, which is great. And um, you know, Bruce comes down and he's gonna go into the bad cave, goes to the clock, but it's not opening up. And he starts to get a little, you know, frustrated. It's confused. That's a nice little back and forth with him and Alfred, where he's like, "No, no, Alfred, yeah. where's the bad cave? What what bad cave? Yeah. You know, the bad cave. Big it's hole. a big hole in the ground with a car in it." So that's that's Black all pretty art. great. And then all of a sudden everything changes when you hear Thomas Wayne come in. And for the first time in the whole series other than when he's been drugged, this is the first time we ever see Batman afraid in the entire series. Yeah. Is in that moment when he sees his dad come at him and he's just totally thrown off from that because again that's his whole psyche his whole being is wrapped in the non-existence of his parents and in that one moment there's he has a total breakdown of not being able to function and it's such a great moment that i didn't even realize till re-watching it this past time you know he goes into the kitchen to start just splashing water on his face and and get his bearings. And his dad immediately comes in and starts checking his pulse and like looking at him. And he's just like, cause he's a doctor first still. He's a doctor. Yeah. So he immediately comes. I never thought of that until watching it this time and watching him do that. He's still just immediately checking up on his son. So even just these little subconscious things of him knowing what his father was like are still coming through. Yeah, He's not a, He's not a freaking politician like the stupid Joker movie. Oh, no, no. Why'd you have to do that? Why'd you have to ruin... I have to, because... Ruin it. Cause people keep... People act like that movie's a 
gold standard yeah, for all, anything Batman all or Joker related. They're all idiots, and we don't need to give them any time of day. Um, but just that little moment is so great. They give the the father such characteristics just with him not even doing barely doing anything, and and you get enough yeah, of yeah. this whole connection aspect in just the couple of scenes they interact in. They don't do anything with the mom, unfortunately, but you know it's twenty two minutes long. You gotta, nah. You gotta kind of you know pick and choose with with stuff like That's that. Something. But, yeah. um, and uh, and then then you get you know he's still trying to wrap his head around all this. So he, he then goes to Alfred and is asking him to tell him about his life. But and he's try, you know he's just trying to piece this whole thing together. And of course, Alfred's like that's weird, but. You know, is running down the whole aspect of everything. And, you know, you see Bruce Wayne just has everything. He doesn't even really have to run Wayne Enterprises. He has his parents there yeah, engaged. Like, it's just all this perfect existence. And um, yeah. and then everything breaks again when he sees Batman show up and start taking out the thugs. And uh, that's when he breaks a second time. And he goes to see Leslie yeah. Tompkins and we get this amazing scene of him just burying this whole situation to the, you know, the one person who knows him better than anyone. And they had HS, yeah. And she immediately is just like, yeah, I know exactly what your problem is. Like your whole life has been perfect. It's been anything. handed to you. You don't yeah. have to do anything. Even though I'm not a psychiatrist, Bruce, your problem seems clear. You've led the sort of life where everything has been handed to you, even Wayne Enterprises. You don't feel you've accomplished anything. It's all been laid out for you. So your unconscious created a life more satisfying to you. You've identified with someone whose every deed has great value. Batman. It's called disassociation, Bruce. Once you find pride in your own existence, then these delusions will vanish. Then all these years of training and discipline. What happened to my parents? A delusion. Then the nightmare is over. And you have to think, well, what if what if Bruce Wayne's parents really didn't get murdered? What what would have yeah. happened to him? Like where where would he be? Why wouldn't he be in this exact same situation? So all of it's yeah, very, he very would live plausible. A life of luxury. It's all very yeah, yeah. plausible of how even Batman could be a totally made up aspect of him. It all is makes makes sense. And and you see him come to the realization of that and he finally gives into that and then is happy. And, and you know, when he just sits there and says the nightmare then the nightmare's over. And for yeah. the first time you see Batman at peace. You see Bruce Wayne at peace with who yeah, he, he just is. He sits down and starts like reading the paper. Yeah, he's totally yeah. at peace, and he goes back home, and he's, you know, asking his parents if they want to join him at the opera. Like he's just feels great, and you have this uh, weight so that is lifted yeah. off of his shoulders, and the first time you ever see, ever see that ever, and then it immediately yeah. gets taken away. Like immediately yeah, reveal too how they show that. Yeah. Oh, it's so good with him opening the paper and not being able to read it. And then him immediately knowing the truth, basically in that moment and just the crushing realization of it is just brutal. It is so Cause we've all been there. brutal. 
because we've been in that situation where you're having a really good dream and it's like the perfect dream where like your your fantasy is coming true and then you wake up and it's like no i want to go back i want to go back it's basically the opposite of that where it's like you're in the perfect dream and then you realize oh this isn't real it's like you're just desperate to be like no 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 it's like just that that realization it's like nope this isn't true this is all fake like yeah it's done so well and and we got to talk about just the outstanding performance by kevin conroy in this episode i think by far so than usual i think by far his best performance in the entire series is in this episode yeah because he's playing bruce he's playing non-bruce batman and he's playing thomas wayne so basically the whole time he's talking to himself pretty much the entire episode yeah and just the fantastic the subtle the acting that he does as Bruce Wayne from the beginning when he's realizing what's happening, the confusion, the and then the relief and his change when he thinks everything is now perfect and he and he accepts all that, and then to immediately then crash and turn right back around. There's so much being done there in his performance, and it's just heartbreaking. It's just so well acted in all these different moments that he has to he has to be able to perform in in this one episode so many emotional beats that he has to hit and he just nails every one of them yeah that's why like if you ever need like a consultant on like the character of batman it's like before you even go to paul dini or anybody else any writer or director you would go to kevin conroy first to be like okay what's uh, batman and bruce wayne like because i would, would i would think he knows so. better than anybody yeah and totally. uh man it's just it's just so so heartbreaking so then then the rest of the episode you have him you know trying to escape from you know and get to this tower and the cemetery because he his whole thing is to track batman down and uh, of course he does but- we get Batman Confirm. fighting Bruce Wayne, which is just brutal and is cool. awesome. I mean, yeah. it is a brutal fight. And, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, he unmasks him and it's, of course, the Mad Hatter, which then, you know, reveals what's going on and how this is a dream and it's everything he's ever wanted. Now, think about this, too, because one thing, this is another thing I didn't realize till this time watching. I was always kind of like, well... I mean, I get all that, how the Mad, you know, it's the Mad Hatter, but it's not the real Mad Hatter, obviously, because it's in his imagination, and he even says that. Right. But then I was like, well, then how is, he just says the whole plan of, like, what he's doing and everything. I was like, that's kind of weird if it's not the actual Mad Hatter. And the whole thing is, because he's Batman. He's literally figured out who this would be and what (laughs) the plan is in his subconscious. Like, that's what's happening Yeah, I didn't think about that either. Because think about it, there would only be two people who would have anything to do with with dreams, and it would be Scarecrow or the Mad Hatter. Well, there's no fear in this dream, so it can't be the Scarecrow, so the only person who this could be is the Mad Hatter. And then why would the Mad Hatter, you know, and what what would that entail and, and everything? Like, he... Peace, that's his subconscious putting everything together when the Mad Hatter is telling him everything. That's brilliant. Yeah, I didn't think about that. I, I hadn't either until, until this time. <laughs> and it's like, it's even better than, than I, I originally was, was thinking about. So again, the amount of layers that oh, are yeah. in this one episode is just amazing. And then even to the it's fact incredible. where yeah. he doesn't even know 
exactly what's going on. So even at the end, you know, you have the police chasing after him and the Mad Hatter's like, you know, you better stop this or you want to spend the rest of your dream life in Arkham. That's himself telling himself that. And then even to the end when he's like, no, there is a way to escape this dream and he's going to run and jump off the tower. Again, the Mad Hatter's telling him, wait, you don't know. This isn't normal. What if, what if you're wrong? That's yeah. him, his subconscious, not exactly knowing what's going to happen with this. And, uh, but, but he ultimately decides like, no, I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather die than, than live a lie. That's ultimately a lie. Yeah. the decision that's being made there. And we have such an awesome, uh, line of dialogue. You're wrong. There is a way out. Now wait just a minute. You don't want to do anything foolish. This isn't an ordinary dream. What if you're wrong? Then I'll see you in your nightmares. And then jumps off the oh. thing. You're just like, Gah! Oh, that is just the Chill. best thing ever. It is the best moment it is. ever. <laughs> oh, it's just fantastic. And, and you just see the 180 from his relief halfway through the episode saying the nightmare's over to then comparing it with then I'll see you in your nightmares to end the yeah. the dream thing there. And it's just, Perfect. oh, it's just so good. He wakes up, Mad Hatter <laughs> can't believe it. And another great line when he's just like, no one's will is strong enough to, to ex- escape my dream machine. It's like, wrong. Batman's is because he's Batman. And uh, Yeah, I mean, he literally has a, the strongest will than anybody. Right. It's the fact that he, he's given up a whole life of happiness just to pursue this duty he feels he has. And and you have Mad Hatter where he doesn't even fight him or anything. He's just done at that point. And no, he's, he, just, he's, just, he's defeated, yeah. And you just see him just snap, and, and you see Bruce just, Batman, the rage of knowing what he's just now been through, and he just, you know, just wants to tear Mad Hatter apart. will is strong enough to escape my dream machine why why did you do it you of all people have the gall to ask me that you ruined my life i was willing to give you whatever life you wanted just to keep you out of mine Because in the Mad Hatter's mind, Batman has caused every all the problems he's ever had are from Batman in his warped, his warped mind, and so he's right. like, I was literally willing to give you whatever you wanted just to get rid of you, and, and it's oh, yeah, just yeah, yeah. just the the emotions on both levels. We never see an exchange. Like between the Mad Hatter and Batman right there at the end. We I don't think there's a single more emotionally charged dialogue in the entire series than there is between those two at the end of this episode. And yeah, I mean it's like because that's, that's why the that's why the Mad Hatter is so underrated is because like other so than good. Joker, no one can psychologically torment Batman like the Mad Hatter can. No. No. Even and, Scarecrow, even with the, the nerve toxin, the fear toxin, 
as bad as that is, like, again, there, there's that kind of like, oh, this is just a nightmare. It's, I've been infected. This isn't like, 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 I don't know, like upending the deepest recesses of Bruce's mind and like playing with that and toying with his, like, his trauma and all that. Like, again, like only the Joker other than the Hatter can get that kind of rise out of Batman. Yep. Yep. And man. Ugh. Oh, the amount of stuff in this episode is unlike any other, and the, there, there's no episode more layers than, uh, no, than, no. than this one, and just so many things that happen. And of course, he, I didn't even mention, but he, he realizes the dream, that he's in a dream, because he can't read anything, and uh, then yeah. later you hear him say, when he's talking to Batman about it, He's saying you can't read in a dream because dreams are the function of left side or, or um, and dreams are a function of right or whatever it is. That is not true necessarily, but it is true that you cannot read in a dream. Um, but yeah, there's, there, I, there's, I, there's more I reasons than that. that. Too, there, um, that's not the reason. Yeah. Different people's brains are built differently. There's not just like a set one side or the other. Um, there are p- sections though right. of the brain that are used for, sure, um, sure, for for reading and for comprehension and language and stuff like that, and and those are uh, let's see, there was uh, it's the Broca's area and the Wernicke's area are the, are two that are um, way less active when you're asleep, and there are parts of the brain that are like for interpreting language and stuff like that. So there's not, and also you're not, you don't see your, your eyes are closed. So your, your, um, your optic nerves, which is all part of reading is not being used when you're dreaming. Um, so actually it's not just reading though. You, you, there's no reading or writing or usually any talking in dreams. Like if you actually try and think about when you've had Hmm. a dream, like, could you like actually repeat a conversation that happened in a dream. And most of the time you're not going to be able to, cause it's mostly yeah. done via telepathic type means in a dream than it is actually speaking. Because again, like that part of your brain isn't really active when you're sleeping. So that is true. The, the reading thing is true and works, but just the reasoning given isn't quite quite accurate it's a little bit deeper than that but they did get they did get that part right and even one of the articles i was reading about it about reading in a dream it literally starts with this episode and talking about this episode of batman animated series it's not like from a comic thing or any like that it's a dream reading article but it starts with this episode we're talking about this episode that's awesome which is pretty which is pretty fantastic um but I, but yeah, because cool. I was looking that up, and it's like no, that is that is true. Where it's 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 basically impossible to 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 read read something in a dream. So it makes sense. Detective Batman would would know that, yeah, I need that. and would be able to figure that out. And and another awesome thing with that is, if you watch the episode, whenever there's signs and stuff like that, you can read them even before he realizes that. Um, there's one oh, exception. Oh yeah, because like Arkham uh, or whatever. Yeah, the uh, the cemetery one, but even before, like when he's watching Batman yeah, take down the jewelry thieves, if you look at the jewelry sign, it's just in random letters, which is even oh, before that. that. There's one 
mix up with that and it's Wayne Enterprises. The Wayne Enterprises logo oh, says sure. Wayne Enterprises. So that's the only thing that they yeah. missed with that. Um, but any other time you see a sign or anything, either before or after the realization, it's all in gibberish and you can't read it. So they they stay oh, consistent so cool. with that, which is pretty pretty freaking cool. And it's such a great little touch. Um, the other great touch I want to say with the dream thing is just the music, the score throughout this is yeah. so well done. Like, again... Right from the start, everything feels off because it's in this minor key. Yep. And it's slightly, it's not jarring, but it's just slightly uneasy. This music with with these right. these wind instruments that are in a minor key, and are, are lingering on notes maybe a little bit longer than you normally would, and just little things like that just that just kind of make you feel slightly uneasy as you go through the whole episode. Like just little touch like that. Like there's no aspect of this episode that isn't done super detailed and well yeah you can tell just how much effort went into this it's like this episode like you watch it and you're like this cannot be for a kids tv show not because like it's, we say that it's, i feel know, like we say sure. that at least every time we do three of these episodes we're like this this can't be done for a kids tv show like it's just it's too much there's too much effort being put in to it well, yeah, but it's like normally we say that for different reasons. Like it, it's like sometimes like violent or like scary, but this is for a whole different reason in terms of just like how complex and like sophisticated it is. Where it's like, yep. again, you, you just you never see this type of effort and or, or artistic, you know, ability put into a, something for that's aimed towards kids. But again, but now it's being quoted in articles about like sleep studies and stuff. You know. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So. uh all right. Um, some other things with this episode. Um, it is based off of a couple other stories. Um, one of them is a Superman story for the man who has everything, which was oh, yeah. a uh, storyline, an Alan Moore story from 1985. Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons, of course, who are behind Watchmen. Um, of course. And, uh, also, um, was Gibbons the one who did Killing Joke? Did he draw Killing Joke too, or not? Was that? Uh, else? I want. I want to say yes. I don't. It might have been. I don't remember. But um, I think so. Anyway, so it's them two, and it's a story about Superman. Uh, what is it? Mongol delivers this plant called Black the Black Mercy. And it basically it attaches to you and then it puts the person in this super realistic and plausible dream that's based on their heart's desires. So, so it's Superman stuck in that. And then it's Batman, Robin and Wonder Woman who come to the Fortress, Fortress of Solitude. They find him in that state. And so the real story is them trying to free Superman from that. But then... The other half is what Superman's experiencing, which is he's back on Krypton, which has not been destroyed. He's married yeah. with kids. And, um, you know, it's, so it's that whole aspect. And, and then, of course, his greatest dream ends up turning into a nightmare where, you know, his father has, you know, different issues with Krypton stuff. There, there it, There's a lot of stuff that happens with it. But, um. They end up oh, yeah. they end up getting it off and actually it goes on to Batman at one point. And uh in uh and then in uh so briefly we see Batman's 
uh, world where he is um, married to, I think, Ka- I think it's Kathy Kane, which was the first Batwoman way back in the day. Um, not the Batwoman that's like the Batwoman now, which is Kate Kane, I think. Right. This was God. the, uh, the yeah. original one. But anyway, and so it's kind of a similar type thing there. But so so this episode had a big, uh, um, a big, I just totally blanked on the inspiration word. Inspiration from that. Yes, yeah. Yeah, there was a big inspiration from this, this uh, comic. But another comic that it also t- takes a lot from is a comic, Detective Comics number 633 from 1991. Um, and it is called Identity Crisis. And uh, this is a weird story where Bruce Wayne, he comes out of the river without memory of what happened the night before. So he goes yeah. back to Wayne Manor and he finds that everything's changed. You know, his life as Batman is gone. Friends don't know anything about him being Batman. And so he figures it's a an enemy. One of his villains has caused all this. But he just, you know, he can't prove it. So, But then, of course, Batman does exist in this world. So now he has to track down and confront Batman, who he thinks is behind all this. Um, but what happens is he actually gets beat up by Batman because it's Batman and he's not. And so he comes back home, still trying to figure out what's going on and uh, is convincing himself it's part of the plan. But um, And then Batman comes to Wayne Manor. And at that point... The whole truth is revealed, and Batman says he's not even Bruce Wayne, but he's actually the uh, Synaptic Kid, which is a a DC Comics character who has the ability to read people's minds, and uh, that ability allowed him to learn, like, Batman's secret identity, but in reading a mind as powerful as Batman's, it, like, disassociated both identities leaving what he read basically as two separate entities and rendered him confused and helpless and actually ends up putting him in a coma because of how powerful the mind of Batman is. And then he never wakes up from that. He's in a permanent coma. So this character then is kind of no more, but so it's not even a Batman story. Ultimately it's this other character in uh, reading the mind of Batman. But those are the two kind of stories that, seem to inspire this um this episode and this one clearly would have made sense because this came out you know a year before the uh the episode or a year or two before the episode so it would be in the fairly recent memory of anyone who reads the comics but um but this but this one does it the best for sure oh for sure yeah no this episode does it does it better 100 percent 100% 100% for sure. Uh, yeah, so let's see. Some other things with the with this episode. So obviously this is a very heavy noir kind of style episode. Um, yeah, very Hitchcockian. Yeah, yeah. The the bell tower, a lot of vertigo sure. in, uh, in that. A yeah. lot of uh, even like the Tim Burton Batman movie. Um, sure. With the, uh, with the cathedral tower. Um, this is the first time in the animated universe where Batman and Bruce Wayne come face to face. So that's always pretty cool to see. Always makes for a good still shot. I'm sure the marketing for this episode was great to do. 
just because all you got to do is show that and everyone's like oh, oh i'm yeah. in <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure um let's see apparently this is where kevin conroy's voice of batman sl- starts to change slightly apparently it becomes less raspy hmm. and more gruff compared to other ones i didn't notice that but apparently that's a thing that yeah, happened. I can't say I did either. Uh, the title obviously comes from, you know, Hamlet and the to be or not to be right. soliloquy in that where he's debating on whether or not to commit suicide or uh, have to, you know, avenge his uh, dead father and the whole quest that he has he has in front of him. So interesting title for yeah. the episode, which makes sense. Um, of course, Kevin, sense, Conroy, yeah. Kevin Conroy also is heavily in you know a lot of shakespeare for him as well so that makes sense why that would work um yeah i mean with that yeah mm-hmm. yeah no no definitely uh let's see in the book batman animated paul dini wrote about the episode and they wrote about uh the producers rarely explored the idea of bruce being tempted to give up being batman and lead a normal life um and uh kevin conroy added batman needs bruce however hollow that identity feels to him from time to time bruce keeps batman human and he said Mm, he, he he went on to say i think the temptation is there but the temptation is to retreat into the cave and never come out to give up his disguise as bruce wayne and surrender himself completely to the darkness so more of the more of the the real temptation would be to, to give up being Bruce Wayne instead of giving up being right. Batman. But again, that makes sense in this episode. So it would make sense why Batman would be able to tell the dream world from a lie because this temptation is not the real one that he feels ultimately. Yeah. So, in you know, even that makes makes perfect sense as well. Um. Uh, yeah, this they is do... Bruce. This is Bruce Wayne's fantasy. This is a Batman's right. fantasy. Right, right, and and he's more Batman than Bruce Wayne ultimately. Um, yeah. they uh, there is a slight giveaway because the Mad Hatter's theme is what plays on the opening title card. So, sure. <laughs> if anyone's paying attention to that, you know that could uh, that could potentially potentially make sense, and then. Of course, uh, this is what Kevin Conroy has said is his favorite episode of Batman the Animated Series, which is pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. And so I like to see that. All right, so we've talked about that for half an hour. So, um... You good? Hello? You good? Yeah, I'm dipped out. Okay, okay. Yeah, I can hear you. All right, so we've talked about that episode for half an hour. So we can move on to the last one. But real quick, this episode, <laughs> it does have an 8.9 on IMDb, which is among the top, Damn. at least top 10 as far as rating on uh, on IMDb goes. It's at least in that top group. So pretty good, but it's just one of those okay. no one ever mentions when they mention the, the top episodes, which really is a shame because I think this is the best one. I think it's the best one, and it's definitely my favorite um, as well. But anyway. Definitely the deepest. That's enough of that. We've covered basically everything you could for that episode. So now it's time to breeze through 
The third one that we we watched, which is, of course, The Cape and the Cow Conspiracy. Now, Ian, this is a weird episode because this one I've always enjoyed. I like this episode. But this past time watching it, this episode makes no sense. None. Absolutely oh, zero good. I'm sense. glad I'm not the only one. Um, yeah. I, I've always enjoyed it, but I was yeah. watching. I was like, none of this makes any sense. If if Why didn't he just grab Wormwood right at the beginning and then interrogate him like Batman normally would? Yeah. Like, why does he go through this whole thing to put himself in constant danger that he knows he's putting himself in danger for no reason? Yeah, you tell they definitely wanted to flex their uh, their writing muscles and have the big reveal and like, oh, twist. It's like, yeah, but when you actually go back and think about it, it doesn't quite make sense. It makes no sense. sense. Also, like, there's a scene when Wormwood is talking to, um, what's the... What's the name? John Baron. Baron. Yeah. yeah. When he's Baron. talking to to the Baron on the phone and you see the Baron talking to him on the phone after he had just left his death trap with Batman. And you're going to tell me that Batman got all the way back to the penthouse, changed into the, yeah. <laughs> the, the makeup just to talk to him on the phone right there? Eh. Yeah, no. Eh. I don't know if Plus, I buy that. It- and, and something that also kind of breaks the whole, like, lore is that, you know, we always talk about, like, what year is it supposed to take place. Right. They have holograms. Um, we, we, they have Tommy guns and, like, old T-Mobile car or T-Model cars and stuff, but Tom, they have holograms. Sure. Why not? <laughs> sure. I don't know. Um, yeah. But, yeah, Wormwood is a guy. He puts people in death traps and then extracts information from them. That's, that's, that's his shtick. Is he uh, interrog- the interrogator? Is that what he's called? Yeah, um, he's yeah, he's based off a uh, he's based off a real character, um, yeah, something like that. Yeah, Worm Wormwood the interrogator. I don't remember something like that. But um, yeah, and so the whole the whole thing is the Baron is telling Wormwood he wants to know where the bearer bonds are and what he's gonna do with them, and what he wants from Wormwood though is for him to get Batman's cape and cowl. Um, that's really what he wants from him. Yeah. And, uh, and so that the whole, that's whole episode is him trying to put Batman in these death traps where he makes him give him his cape and, and cow. And again, um, of course the reveal is that Batman the whole time was the Baron. Cause at the beginning he grabs the Baron and then interrogates him and then he tells him to leave. But then the very next scene you see the Baron and you're like, Oh, I guess he didn't leave. And then at the end, it's revealed that, oh, no, that was Batman the whole time tricking Wormwood. And you're just like, again, you had Wormwood right there in front of you. It makes sense to dress up as a Baron to lure Wormwood into the thing. And then you grab him. Sure. <laughs> like, he's right there. Yeah. You're going to tell me Batman can't extract so information more... out of the bad guy? Come on. That's uh, a special, dude. Come on. Like, yeah. it, it just seems like so much more effort than it needs to be. Yeah, this whole episode does not need to happen. Um. This episode could have been 10 <laughs> minutes, uh, no, six minutes long, and you would have gotten everything in that you yeah. needed to. Um, yeah, it's really just done just so the episode happens. And then at the end, he like gets his butt handed to him by this regular dude way more than he should. Also, not not just that, but he yeah, lets him on. fight him. Like he When he does the reveal, he's just standing there in front of him, and he just lets him run away. And you're just like, good, but yeah. you had him again. Like he's just right there. 
And then he gets beat up by him. And you're just like, all right, this is, uh, <laughs> eh, you're pushing my, uh, you're pushing my realm of believability a little bit in, uh, in this episode. Yeah, so, suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Yeah. This is one I, I've always enjoyed it. Um, that's a, that's a good episode. But this yeah. pastime, I mean, and I've realized a lot of these things I'd thought of before, but really the amount of them hit me this last time where it was just like, look, not, not one thing in this episode makes sense. Also, why is he leaving riddles? Does everyone just leave riddles? Is that just what everyone has to do? I mean, I feel like that's a Riddler thing, but I feel like just uh, everyone's I mean, might... leaving riddles. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Cause it's like, I, I can't say I remember the interrogator all that well as being a, a previous character but yeah it feels like he really doesn't have he's not a prominent he, he takes one. like all these different elements from other villains identities yeah it's uh like there's yeah. some clock king there's some riddler there's some i don't even know yeah yeah it's uh yeah it's 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 weird it's weird um this is based <laughs> off the comic story the cape and the cow death trap um, Detective Comics number 450, which is, you know, very similar episode with, with the Wormwood interrogator character. Um, this is the first sure. use, though, of the bat signal in the DC animated universe. Cause, really? Because remember, when he goes up to the roof, he says, new toy to uh, Commissioner uh, Gordon. Yeah. He said, you know, he says God, that. Wow. And he says, yeah, and he's like, you know, this isn't going to go over well with the mayor. He's like, ah, just let me handle that. So this is the... This is the first oh, wow. appearance of the uh, of the bat signal, which is interesting because that's one of those things uh, no. you didn't realize wasn't there. You just assumed, yeah. And then when you think about it, it's like, yeah, we have not seen that yet. So we haven't seen it for sure. Yeah, wow. So pretty cool, pretty cool there. Um, of course, we do see Batman disguising himself a bunch throughout this whole series. Yeah, we've which seen is, that before. Sure. Again, that's awesome. That's 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 classic Batman. Um. The best but one. Not to these uh, links. <laughs> no, no. But the best one, of course, is, you know, Killer Croc and almost got him. That's probably the best. Yeah, the we'll best get there. Yeah. That's coming up later. But uh, uh, apparently, let's see. In pre production, the original script was to have someone steal the cape and cowl and impersonate Batman while on a crime rampage. And that would have been more hmm. based on an episode of the uh, old George Reeves Superman show uh which that sounds awesome i think that would have been a great that'd be cool yeah great episode we we never we never see one of those in in the animated series that'd be interesting yeah Yeah. i would love to see that um bruce tim mentioned in an interview that he was originally going to have batman show his face to wormwood as he gives him the cape and the cow but uh later he changed his mind um because he says he he doesn't like seeing bruce without his mask on which I really wish more people uh, thought that way. Thought that like way. We'd be a lot better off, um, which is ironic. But it is ironic because apparently the I think the very next episode is Robin's Reckoning where he does take his mask off. Oh, uh, yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. Which is, I guess, kind of ironic with that. But that's that's different. Well, I mean, that might be why they're like, oh, well, if we're about to do it. We can't have taking it off in every episode. Yeah, no, no that's that that. That's more than fair. That's more than fair. Um, I, again, I you got, think... You gotta, yeah, you gotta, you gotta save it. No, I think that doesn't make any sense, though. Like, that's one part... That's the only part in this whole thing that actually makes sense to me, is that part when he actually does get bested, and then he does have to give him his cape and cowl, and then you look, and he's got another mask on. 
That's the only part that actually oh, yeah. makes sense. Like, okay, if he was orchestrating all of this, that would make sense. Why he would, you know, sure. have that on. That's about the only part that does make Cause sense. Because he, uh, he knows he knows from previously that's what he's after. That's what he wanted last time. So, sure. Yeah, so that makes sense. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, you know, there's some interesting stuff with the, the wax museum trap and... You know, that, that just seems ridiculous with this giant bulb that melts wax and then, oh, he finds a yeah, way to seems... break the bulb and, oh, there's a tank of poison gas behind it. And you're just like, okay, this is just, man, this was well thought this out. This feels like something out of the Adam West, yeah. <laughs> it kind of does. Yeah, it kind of does. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it is what it is. It's not yeah. bad, but it's not one of the best ones. Uh, This one. Now, again, like, yeah, once you're older, it's kind of hard to appreciate. Yeah. Uh, this one has a 7.8 on, um, on IMDb. Again, not bad. Uh, good ending when he's in jail and he gives him the cape and cowl in the package. That's, that's a good, yeah, that's, cool. that, that's a good ending. Good moment. But yeah, not that great. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So that does it with those, uh, with those three episodes. Um, so coming up next, uh, the next time we talk about this, uh, the animated series. We got three great episodes again, so we're we're going straight into good ones because we're going from these three, which are you know, well two out of the three, not maybe the best, but but we did have the best with Perchance to Dream. We get to go into three of the best. Sure. We got the two part Robin's Reckoning and then the Laughing Fish. So we got nice. we got three great ones coming up when we come back to uh, the Batman animated series. So I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty excited for that. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's a good batch. Yeah, those are great ones for sure. So that's gonna be that's gonna be great. But next week, we are back into the 1966 Adam West Batman, and we got two sure. more episodes, which are uh, we got King Tut. We're finally getting oh, right. yeah. some King Tut action next week, which I am excited about because we haven't gotten any King Tut yet. So we got the Curse of Tut. Yeah, that'll be fun. And the Pharaohs in a Rut. So. I I'm I'm looking forward to that. King Tut, great, uh, a great original '60s villain. Um, I think this is really the first really great original '60s villain we get to. Although we did do False Face, which is which is a great one too. Yeah, we did. False Face is pretty good. Yeah. But but King Tut's another level. This is a great character, and uh, I really wish they had done more with the King Tut character in other Batman mediums. Like I think it's a I think it's a good character. So. That's gonna be, that's gonna be fun. So that's gonna be next week. So make sure and join us for that. Um, any final thoughts, Ian? Uh, no. It was a, it was kind of an interesting batch of episodes. Just go around, very diverse. You know, you've got one of the best, if not the best, and then you've got one that's kind of weird and a little bit out there with the um, with the interrogator, and then you have one that's just kind of eh, you know, kinda, whatever, kind of kind of goofy little goofy yeah yeah so it's, it's very diverse that like, kind of shows the the different aspects and and ranges of the animated series so. oh yeah but no yeah for sure yeah wish, um, it, wish there was more news we could talk about but yeah. certainly not yeah unfortunately nothing going on but uh yeah. make sure to follow us on twitter at uncaped review i post all the links to all the episodes and um post other random things on there different movie things and uh movies that i'm watching and different things like that um so follow that at uncaped review you can follow me on twitter at marky mark brand you can follow me at ian bark bark 
So go ahead and do that as well. And uh, we're also on Facebook. Just search Uncaped Crusaders Review Podcast on Facebook. Um, I use I just post the links though to the shows on uh, Facebook. Nothing really else. Twitter's where the interaction comes. Um, yeah. yeah, send us your thoughts on uh, these three episodes. Which episode of these is your favorite? Um, and uh, what do you think about the upcoming King Tut episodes of um, Adam West? Go ahead and tweet us that. Always fun to hear. Uh, yeah, so that does it for this one. I want to thank you guys so much for listening. Again, I'm Mark. I'm Ian. Have a great week.